everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fry Dates with the Wife. In these episodes, my wife and I offer an entrepreneurial couple's perspective on living a more fulfilling and meaningful life. We share our little humble opinions and hopefully make you laugh as we navigate the ups and downs of being entrepreneurs and parents. And speaking of fulfillment, if you want to hire me as your coach, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on the call to see if we are a good fit to help you create and design your dream life and business. That's robshowcoach.com. Before we get into today's Friday episode, our next Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind event will be in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the F1 race on November 16th to the 19th. These trips are designed to get you out of your day-to-day around some amazing entrepreneurs and provide bucket list experiences that will have you coming home re-energized to grow your business and bring your life to a whole new level. Head over to workhardplayhardexperience.com and fill out an application. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly, best parent in the universe. How are you today? Well, that is quite an award. That uh, what it will will my award be delivered soon? You know who's coming. Um, Ed McMahon is coming <laughs> back from the dead. And, Did I win uh, Publishers Clearinghouse? No. Well, what he's doing is he's coming back again, but he's not bringing like the big giant... Um, Check. Yeah. He's doing it. Well, he's got a team of people. It's like Super Nanny and a okay, bunch no of other people. No one knows who Ed McMahon is. Like you just dated yourself 10X. Really? I think so. Oh my God. I mean, I know who he is. Well, he was on Johnny Carson. How long has Johnny Carson been <laughs> off? <laughs> That's not why we are here today. We are here today to talk about parenting. So before we get into uh, parenting, let me, let me say this. I, I don't know if this is a statistical fact or it just happens to be our worlds, but it seems that everyone we know now is pregnant. And I'm hoping that we catch none of that. <laughs> um, but the world right now seems to be pregnant. I don't know if we're having COVID babies. I don't know what's going on, but um, there's a there's a big bang uh, that is happening mm, right it now. It already happened. It already happened. And so we're getting lots of questions on parenting because we're in this, you know, we're in this stage now with Sophia where she's, you know, she's seven, seven and a half years old now. And so she is pretty actively um and has been traveling around the world with us. And so, you know, it, it used to be little cute pictures of Sophia in, you know, a crib on social media, but now it's, you know, watching her ride a camel in Dubai. You know what I mean? So it's, so things are progressing and what that is generating is a lot of questions and people have these questions, you know, uh, it's, it's over, right? I mean- Well, a lot <laughs> like, of what we get is the opposite. It's, you guys are my role model for how to raise a kid because you're proving that life isn't over. You can still travel and all of that. So that, at least that's what I'm getting. Most of the reach out that I get is, how do you guys do it? I want to do that too. And so I thought today we'd do a podcast on yeah, that, Yeah, right? I, think, I, think I think it would be good. So- 
let me say this. The first thing is the best parenting advice that we've ever received. And as you parents and new parents know, people give you all of their unsolicited advice. And here's ours to add to your pile. Ours came from our pediatrician. And she said to fit the child into our life and not the other way around. Now, what does that mean? That means that often parents shift their entire life, their schedule, their dreams, their everything to quote unquote fit the, you know, fit to the kid's schedule. So we had friends that had babies and the kid napped at a very specific time, needed blackout curtains, special socks, a a stuffy and a sound machine that plays, you know, rain, but only at this decibel, like... Amazon, Amazon rainforest only. If it was, if it was rain from the plains of Spain... It didn't work. It didn't work. And so they created this, this life that then they, as parents, had to fit into this child's life and schedule. And so what our pediatrician advised was the exact opposite. Fit the kid into your schedule. Whatever you do, continue to do it and bring the kid along and they will thrive, they will grow. And they're very adaptable, these little things called children. And so that's what we did. So Sophia's first plane ride was at three months old. And we have never stopped traveling with her, going out to restaurants with her. We have conversations with her. And often when people meet Sophia, they will share how she's really interesting because she can talk to kids and she can talk to adults and communicate. She's a very good communicator. And I think it's because we've put her in these environments to do just that. She's also incredibly independent. She can roll her own luggage now, you know, and she has for quite a while. Um, And if she wants something at a restaurant, she'll, you know, raise her hand and interject, you know, could I have some more water, please, or whatever it is. And she has, I think, developed this because we've put her into our life as suggested and not the other way around. Um, So I think that would be my number one advice for people because, you know, kids travel and people have this weird misnomer that kids don't travel or that travel is over. Look, for the first two years you have a kid, you can put your baby on your lap on a plane and you can travel. Take full advantage of that fact. And when you fly international, they'll bring you a bassinet often to put the baby in that kind of clips to the wall. You can travel with your kid and I highly, highly recommend it. Travel will only better them. And the other thing that I get, Rob, I don't know if you, I don't know if anyone talks to you about parenting. Never. Okay. (laughs) Actually, never. I've not, it's true. I've not had one person one time reach out to me and ask me a parenting question. parenting question? question? Yeah. I'm actually here just to add color to the commentary because I don't, I I actually don't have, the kid in the next room, that one's mine, right? Yes, it is, honey. All right. Um, I'm your father. Nice to meet you. (laughs) No, but I think that um, the other thing that I hear is, or I'll hear that people will say, say, you know, when we travel with Sophia, not so much now that she's seven, but earlier in her life, people would say, well, you know, I don't even know why you go to these places. She's not going to remember it. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. She's not going to remember seeing the Eiffel Tower probably at two years old, but it's going to imprint on who she is as a person. And she is going to be very comfortable 
traveling and around other cultures. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, why why do you even do anything with your kid at two? They're not going to remember it. Why do you even have a birthday party? Why do you even do a family vacation? They're not going to remember it. No, they're not. But it's going to imprint on who they are and it's going to become a part of their character. I remember um, when I was talking to my friend Darren about this and I said, you know, we were somewhere and I said, do you think she's going to remember this? We were, I don't know, in Greece or something, let's say. And he said- I think "Mm." we're in South Africa. Mm, Yeah. And um, I said, do you think she's going to remember it? He goes, no, I don't think she will exactly, but she's going to remember how she feels around this. Yeah. And- that can be taken in a thousand different ways. And I think everybody has a different uh, take on it. But I I guarantee you that all of those things, whether you know she's in South Africa or she's in Greece or Dubai, and we're talking about travel, but it's also the same for, you know, interacting in restaurants or or even, you know, there are times where I remember before we had her, we'd go to, you know, places like Mykonos and it's one o'clock in the morning and there are you know, people from Athens that have their baby strollers um, outside, the kids have headphones on and the kid's sleeping. And they're, you know, outside in the town, listening to house music, having champagne and dancing with strollers. That is not unusual to happen. And when you, when you create these random rules, like you opened with, with your friend that had, you know, a million, she had to have, you know, certain, certain sound machine sounds on to go to sleep. And then you take, you know, sort of like this European example I'm giving you, the kids are, they just are raised differently. They were raised around lots of different things that become inculcated into their life. And they're just like, yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm tired, I close my eyes and I go to sleep as opposed to uh, if I'm tired, you know, I've got a, I need, you know, I need an eye mask, I need earplugs, I need a sound machine. Oh my God, you, know. you just literally described yourself. Right, I, so I understand <laughs> that, you know, my parents were not out until two o'clock in the morning with me and Mykonos, you know, I, so, so uh, you know, and there's all kinds of different things. I, I don't know how much color I can add here as a parent because- Well, you can, but, get, but, you but, can provide but, but so much is, observation. But there is, there is something that, um, that I wanna say um, and that is, there are there are certain hacks that um, are helpful to use as a parent. So I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast or not. Maybe we have, but it's worth repeating if you haven't heard it before. When your kid comes home from school and you want to engage with your kid, a bad question to ask them is, how did school go today? You know, every parent who's had a child said, how was school? And the answer is universally the same. It is a grunt or maybe an un, an unrecognizable word like fine, you know, that you could barely hear under the grunt. And then they just run and they get their iPad or they get, you know, whatever it is that, that they're going to do. And my source of information is TikTok. So I follow this guy on, uh, on TikTok and he gave um, some really great advice that I'm going to share with you. And, and everybody that has done this has said, wow, it really works. And that is to ask a series of questions that requires their brain to be engaged in a different way. So I'll give you three examples. Which kid is the fastest in your class? And they have to go, hmm, and they think about that. Which boy picks his nose and eats it in school? And they laugh a little bit and then they'll go, oh, it's Charlie. Three, which kid 
always falls asleep on the bus on the way home. So we began doing these questions one night and at first there was this aversion because she was raising an eyebrow and didn't understand where the questions were, but she still was interested in answering them. Because so, they, were, they were weird enough that it was playful. They were weird enough. And also you asked questions about her teachers and all kinds of well, stuff. Well, it's limitless. Sometimes Kim has to help me because, you know, you do this seven nights a week, 30 questions a week. You've kind of covered every nose picking kid story that you can come up with. Um, and then when I get through the five questions, she counts them and she says, okay, let's do some more. And so we then said, okay, well, after we do these questions, this will be our time to connect as a family. And then after we do this, then we'll switch gears and mommy and I will have our conversation, which we know is boring for you. So go ahead and use your iPad. That one little hack has saved our life at dinner. It's more than it saved our life. What it did was it created conversation in our family. Like the first few times you did it, she didn't want the iPad. She didn't want it to end. She just kept asking for more and more and more questions. And finally, we were like, please take the iPad because we're running out of things to ask her. She It created conversation and it created memories and it created and it more than anything it triggered her to tell us other stories that were happening in class and happening in her school with other kids that are unprovoked and now he's moved on to um observation like let's say we're in a restaurant he'll say i want you to look at this wall of pictures take a really good look and look at everything really closely and then i'm going to ask you some questions about it and he'll be and he'll say which what color is the picture with three horses, you know, or some random thing like that? And she loves it. It's like this fun observation game that is so good on so many levels. But again, it's another example of fitting the kid into your life, right? Bring him to the restaurant. And instead of just handing her an iPad out of the gate, being able to really have some great conversation with her. And it's also teaching her how to ask questions, how to be observant in her school, in her home life, in what she thinks. And that that kind of family bonding, I think is so needed and important. And you, Rob, you solved one of the most annoying parts of my day, which is how is school? And you completely handled and solved it. Well, you know, I think there's there's two areas that need to be discussed here. Um, because I'm gonna I'm gonna represent the men um, here now. There is, you know, we'll call it like family time, and we'll call it couple time. And there's a difference between the two. So we've been talking about family time and raising children. And one of the things with family time is that when you have a a close family as we do, there's a lot of, and this is a beautiful problem. In no way am I saying this is a bad problem. There's a lot of excitement around life. And there's a lot of excitement around what's going on in your life and what you're interested in. And you want to share it with each other. And so when Kim and I are at the dinner table, I want to share a thousand things that are going on about my day. And the same with Kim. But the same with Sophia. Sophia has been working on Roblox 
or she's been playing with a kid, or she has um, a, uh, a story about what one of her friends at school told her, and, or she has a joke. Um, we have to work on her delivery, but she has a she has no. A her jo- comedic timing is hysterical. It's her joke telling that is. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to work on the, on, on how <laughs> to put that together because sometimes it's a little tough to follow. Um, but she has it. So now we have these three competing things, and as maddening as it could be to literally not be able to say three words in a row, like cannot get. Kim, your pants are on fire right now. I just need to tell you when we're all talking at the same time. But the good news is that we've all seen the reverse. And the reverse is the family that sits at dinner and you can hear the clanking of the forks, you know, with somebody putting it into their, you know, pork chops and peas and nobody's saying anything. And then the dad is like looking over going, so how was your day at school, son? Fine. And how was your, how was your day, mommy? Fine. We have the exact opposite. We have- It's like the view. No it, one we stops literally, talking. <laughs> nobody stops talking all the time on top of each other. So um, I tell you that to say that the other side of that is, yes, we've you want to have that family that is so excited to talk to each other that I, you know, it's frustrating, but I don't look at it as a negative at all. Actually, I look at it as a great problem that we're all so excited that we all want to share everything with each other because I've been in relationships where it's maddeningly quiet because everybody's like, can I get up from the table now? None of us are that way. We are all excited to be with each other. So it's a good problem. But the other side of that is that we are in a romantic couple relationship. So as a family, you have to have, I think, what allows that time to work is the other time where you don't have that everybody competing at the same time. And so Kim and I have been doing an experiment with date days together. And it doesn't even have to be a day. It could be three or four hours. So the the yin and the yang, I think, of raising a well-adjusted child in the ways that we are discussing is born out of and stems from a well-adjusted relationship that the two of you have. In the same way that if you wanna be in great shape, your relationship actually plays a role in it. Because if you're, in a, if you're not happy in your relationship and you're feeling like shit, you're not exactly gonna be the type of guy that like wants to go to the gym and really, really work out well. Or if that example doesn't make sense, um, your business is gonna be affected because you're not gonna be going into business on all, you know, on all cylinders because your relationship is doing well. So these things are not um, islands where they're separated from each other. They, they coexist together. So to have a successful child, you have to have successful family time. And to have successful family time, you have to have a successful relationship. So I think that they are directly intertwined. I do too. I think uh, happy, happy kid, happy wife, happy life, right? So what did we talk about today? We talked about if you're new to parenting, possibly taking on the advice that we uh, used, which was to fit the child into your life and not the other way around. 
we talked about how you can still travel with kids. It is still possible. And by the way, there's kids everywhere. Kids, families travel uh, and it's really good for them. And we talked about how to overcome the how is school <laughs> question and silent, annoying dinner that um, plagues many, many families. Uh, one other thing that I want to kind of toss out there is, you know, having kids, how do you teach kids to become great connectors? Because I think every parent has a fear that their kid will be the kid that doesn't have any friends, right? Because that's devastating and to a kid. And so with Sophia, you know, watching her over the years make friends has been at times incredibly painful and hard, but you have to know as a parent where are the moments that you intervene and where are the moments that you step back and you let them do it. And Rob, you're really good at this. Um, I actually remember with Demi, you were horrible at this. And Demi was a, way more shy than Sophia. And when she went to camp for the first time, you remember you walked over to a little girl and you're like, hi, what's your name? And you're like, okay, Paris, this is Demi. And you guys are gonna be friends. With Sophia, we've sat back and just watched to see what happens. And Sophia, initially, she'd be like um, a shark. If there was kids playing soccer, she would get near them and then closer, but like, you know, looking the other direction until she was basically in the middle of their soccer game and the ball happened to hit her foot and then she was just in the game. That was initially. Now she just walks over to kids and goes, hi, my name is Sophia and let's be friends. And the kid really doesn't have an option, let's be honest. And they begin to play. And we've watched her do this over and over and over again. And now I'm watching her kind of butterfly into this beautiful little girl who not just goes and makes friends, but she likes the little ones. She likes like a four or a five-year-old and she wants to take them on as like a sibling. And while we were in Dubai, she went over to this little girl whose mother was with her, four years old in the pool. Hi, my name is Sophia. What's your name? You want to be friends? Let's play. Oh, you can't swim? Let me show you how to kick your legs on the side of the pool. Have you ever tried monkeying around the pool, holding on to the ledge? Like she just was all in on not just playing with kids her age, but connecting and really, I feel like in some ways providing value with kids that make them want to play with her. Yes, but let's let's also, because I'm sure there are people listening right now that are saying my daughter would never do that or my son would never do that. Understand that that it's not that she has this nature, which she does, but it's not that, you know, there's this nature which just, that this nature just spontaneously appeared at the moment. These, this is years of exposure. This yeah. is years of being on a beach in Greece and not having any kids and then seeing one kid, but the kid doesn't speak English and having to figure out a skill set on how to communicate with this. I spoke to, um, on one of the podcasts I did uh, with Cindy Eckert, if you don't follow her, E-C-K-E-R-T. Um, she's an incredible businesswoman, but one of the things that she mentioned to me is she went to school in uh, in Rome and she was saying, oh, th this is gonna be, because I said to her, I said, you know, it's, it's difficult because there's like the Italian kids here that, you know, have been here for years. And then there's, you know, um, uh, 
there's there's these other kids and there's all these cliques that she's, you know, coming into. And she said, one of the the most powerful skill sets that I learned was having to figure out how to, for lack of a better word, infiltrate a group of people that didn't speak the same language, that were all friends before, that had all these inside jokes. Um, and that skill set transferred for me as an adult where I was able to communicate with people and establish rapport very, very quickly. When you're raising a child, you can see each year that the skill sets and the exposure, more specifically the exposure that you put them in and the environments that you put them in and the neighborhoods that you put them in and the conversations that you put them in, they blossom in ways that you that you can't quite predict or know how they're gonna do. So a couple of years ago, she may have said something like, I, they don't speak English. Nobody here speaks English. They don't understand what I'm saying. But now two years later this year is, I can see her scanning the kid looking up and down, trying to assess through nonverbal and then verbal answers and cues. Oh, okay, this, this, is, a, this is a foreign one. Um, where are you from? Russia. Okay, you speak, okay, you speak English, good. But if, it, if, but if they didn't speak English, she would do her va- version of Dances with Wolves and she would communicate with the kid in a way because she's been exposed to it and she's learned how to do it. And I think that's what, you know, you have a good point where people are like, yeah, but my kid is nine and they don't do that. Well, this is your opportunity to start because it's going to be way easier for kids to begin to learn to connect and communicate that now than it will be as an adult. Sophia has come back from trying to make a friend and she'll shrug her shoulders and she'll be like, yeah, they didn't really understand what I was saying. Okay, next. And she just moves on to the next one. But as a parent, it's it's painful to see her nudged away or, or ignored or whatever. That is painful, but it's a good lesson that you keep going. And the end result, you know, she's literally been doing this since she barely, she could, she could barely talk, you know? And so the end result of that is now we have a kid that walks around and says, hi, my name is Sophia. We're going to play now. And she and she makes it happen and she's a good connector. So the the lesson for you here is if that's not your kid, start looking at some situations where you can nudge them gently into becoming a better connector and communicator and you know a better friend. All right, I'll leave you with this. So this is going to come across as a humble brag, and I don't mean it to be a humble brag. But um, as we end this podcast today, uh, Kim is going to go off um, with Sophia, and they're going to be putting together um, some bags to help the people out in the Ukraine. And those sorts of efforts make a difference. So no matter where you are in the world, when you are, you know, you could be in a suburb in Long Island, and you're trying to protect you know, your child from the evils that are going on in this world. And there's certainly plenty of them. Um, there's also some other things that you can do to expose them to what the world really can be like and how they can make a little contribution in some way that isn't not going to certainly end end this uh, horrible situation that's happening, but allow them to feel like they're contributing in a way that's going to be meaningful. And you never know when you plant those seeds, 
how they feel about what they're doing and how they feel about it, how it's going to impact decisions that they make later in their life. That's it, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.